thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Yeah, there's a lot going on, guys. Uh, and for, I think, one of the first times I'm speaking, I don't have a PowerPoint because I just got too busy. And so I have nothing to distract you from my words. <laughs> uh, it's my secrets. It's my secrets to success. If you distract them enough with pretty images, then they'll... Just kidding. Not kidding, but kind of kidding. I don't know. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm excited to get to, to share with you guys because can you guess what I'm going to talk about if you guys have been here the last few weeks? Anyone catch a theme? What's that, Lisa? The Beatitudes, right? Now, this was totally spontaneous and not planned at all. Like, 100% not planned. And then it was just kind of like the momentum was happening, and it was like, I don't think we should stop this, right? And um, so so we're, we're going to continue on in the Beatitudes, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, but before I jump into the one I'm going to talk about today, let's do a little overview, right? Some of you might have missed some of the weeks who are here, right? But it's really cool because Lynn kind of kicked us off several weeks ago where she was talking about how the first beatitude, which if you all want to turn into your Bibles or slide to your phone app, um, Matthew 5 is where we find them. And verse 3 starts the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what Lynn spoke about how the poor in spirit, it's it is recognizing our dependence and our need for God. That as hu- as humans, as his creation, we were, we were created to be connected to God. And we, that dependency of him. It was beautiful. All of these sermons you can go back and listen to on our podcast or the website. We do have a podcast, by the way, if you guys didn't know. Um, or our stream, because we do stream too. There's many ways to catch up. Uh, then the next week, Daryl shared... And he just continued on into this next one, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that also was the week that you lost your mom, right, Daryl? Man, what what a sweet remembrance. And, and Daryl reminded us, reminded us of our reality lies within the goodness of who God is and that his promise is that he will comfort us through whatever this world ha- has, throws at us. Our reality is in his goodness and his constant, right? Just keeping that perspective while, while hard things happen, he promises to to comfort us. And, but our reality is in heaven. Yeah. And then my super awesome husband spoke the next week and he kind of like kept the momentum going with verse, uh, verse five here. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Do you guys remember what my husband said at all? No, no. Yeah, talking about how we can't let what being meek is our example of meekness is Jesus. It's not weakness. It is Jesus who was so fixed on the his beliefs that were aligned with with heaven's reality, with a perspective, an eternal perspective that whatever earthly things are happening, the craziness of politics, he got a little political, I think. You know, he likes to keep it controversial. Um, whatever the roughage that 
that Jesus kept his beliefs aligned with heavens and that he was, he was consistent and meek in that. Yeah. That was cool. Um, and then, then we had Daryl speak on blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. What a great promise. But what is even cooler is the fact that, which Daryl pointed out was that righteousness is our identity. That this shell is not who we are, but righteousness is who we are. And when we long for it and ask for it, the promise is we get it. We don't identify with the shell. We identify with the righteousness inside of us, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, they were good. You can go back and listen. Ooh, and then last week. Last week we had Jonathan share. And he spoke on this. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And can we just sit in this one? I think Jonathan did such a good job. Such a good job. His, he just, he defined mercy as believing the best in people and giving them the benefit of the doubt. Now, I love so much that, that understanding of mercy because this translates, it is so applicable in life. Like when you can activate the mercy of God, the mercy of heaven, it looks like something tangible in your life and how you view people and how you see people. Because I was just talking with some, with one of my friends about this and how, um, how even if someone offends you, even if someone takes offense against you, even if someone wrongly accuses you of something or, or whatever, and whether they confront you or not, what is mercy look like in that situation? Because easily we want to be vindicated. We're like, look, what? I need to clarify my name. I need to like show them what's like, tell them the truth and fix, 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 and make sure that they understand who I am because, because I don't want them thinking something wrong of me or, 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 or whatever. Or we sometimes do that. We sometimes do that to others. We can judge their motives, right? But we don't really know someone's heart motives. Only the Lord does. And so Leaning into mercy is just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, pastor didn't wave at me today when I, when I waved across the room and said, Hey, he must, he must be upset. How many times have you guys done that? Cause, uh, it's like, no, he just didn't see you. It's really the lights here can be bright sometimes, you know, or like you know, someone's grumpy in the cash register and they're just kind of shoving things along. You're just like, well, my goodness, what an attitude, you know, what if we tap into mercy of just like, believing the best and giving them the benefit of the doubt to just be like, Oh, how's your day going? Are you doing, man, it's hard work, isn't it? Oh yeah. So many customers, so many different personalities. You're doing so great or whatever. Just extending mercy changes hearts. It really does. And I love that scripture says that those who blessed are the merciful for they'll, they'll keep having mercy because mercy is a good thing to have, right? (sighs) It's good. All right. And now that brings us to verse eight. Now, before we step into this, okay, I, I want to tell you guys something. So this, this Bible here, it's, it's, do you guys remember all my millennials? Did you guys remember having to pay, paperback your books, like your textbooks? Do kids still do that? Do kids still do that? Okay. That's a thing still. Dude, I remember the first week of school getting all my textbooks and like my family owns a Chinese restaurant. So we, 
used a bunch of paper bags. So I was, there was no shortage of paper bags. So I would just like, I would get super into it and like fold it perfectly so it could like tuck and be tight. And then I would, I would like decorate the, the covers to make it unique. I'm a graphic designer. I'm an artist. So it was just fun to like make each cover unique, right? Do you guys, did you guys do this? How many of you guys did this? Like paper back to your textbooks, right? So I, you guys did it first. Okay. So this has been around, this has been around. Okay. So practice. And, um, so I had to do that to my Bible because it's so beat up because I was four years old when I got this and it is a new King James version, but it is like a precious moments. Do you guys remember precious moments? If you were grew up in a Christian family, you probably know precious moments. Um, anyways, it has like little pitch, cute pictures or whatever, but, but it's the King new King James. So I kept it. It's my Bible. And wouldn't you know, I have no idea when I did this, but the one beatitude that is underlined and circled in my Bible is blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It's the only one out of all of them. I don't know when I did it, but I did it because this just, this is so my heart. And so today I'm really just going to share a heart message, just how much like this verse resonated so deep within me, so deep within my bones of just like, God, I want a pure heart. I want my motives to be good and pure towards you because I just want to see you. I just want to know you. It was so my desire. And I love that he promised that if I had a pure heart, towards him that I will get to see him and all of the mystery of what is it like to see God. And it's just like, I think it's part of my obsession with worship is like, I'm just, I so desire to just see him and to know him and behold him as he is. And, and so this verse just is so, you know how you guys have like life verses? Do you guys have some verses that just hit you deeper and cut, cut harder than like others? This is one of those. The other one, too, has to do with the heart. It's, um, Daryl, you quoted it the other day. Uh, it's from Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of someone whose heart is completely his. Whose heart is completely his. That just, uh, oh my gosh, so powerful to me. So, so today we're just going to dive deep into this. We're gonna, I'm just going to look at what does it mean to be pure in heart? And then what does it mean to see God? And then how those two things are so interconnected and so interdependent on each other. It's going to be fun. Might get a little vulnerable. I might cry a little bit today. That's okay. I've already been doing it. Um, I wear heart, heart on sleeve. Hey, this is where I am. This is what, who I am. Okay. Um, so let's define, okay? I'm just going to define words because definitions have power and layers. Our, our, the English language, we can get limited by just um, common words. And so it's really fun to get to like look in, in, in definitions and see the original understanding too, looking at, I guess in here, what would be Greek? Is that right? Oh, Jonathan's not here. What was the New Testament written in? It was Greek, right? Woohoo! Hermeneutics, all right! in my brain somewhere. Um, okay, let's do, I'm going to define pure. So to be pure in this context, free from corruption, free from guilt of, and sin, blameless, innocent, sincere, and genuine, unstained with the guilt of anything. Okay. 
This is fun. Like a vine cleansed by pruning, it's fitted to bear fruit. How interesting that purity is intended to bear fruit. Seems kind of counter counterintuitive, right? That purity bears fruit, like a pruning of the tree, right? So now let's look at heart. Heart is the center of all physical and spiritual life, the soul or the mind. It is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, endeavors, life. Oh, man. This is like, yes, I'm a heart person. So to be pure in heart is to have innocent, blameless, sincere thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. It's to be motivated out of this place of innocence and sincerity. Okay? We'll get, we'll get into that more too. And then to see, because I think this is really interesting too, because the pure in heart will see God. And seeing isn't just like noticing what's there. It's not a casual, factual thing. Intentionally, it says it is to gaze with wide eyes at something remarkable. That's a, that's a good kind of seeing. So let's dive into like a bit more about being pure in heart. Because being pure in heart, it's very important to understand. And I 100% believe this and, and like experience this. That the pure, to be pure in heart is a heart posture. Okay? It is not a goal. It is not a condition even. And it's not something that you have or don't have. And it's not even a gift. Yeah? We can't get caught up in thinking that I need to become pure in heart in order to see God. That it's some self, out of self-righteousness, out of this place of working towards a goal in order to get God. When we start thinking in that, in that mindset, in the, in the framing, it gets very exhausting. It becomes very dependent on our own abilities instead of on Jesus and what he's already done for us, right? So to be pure in heart, is is posture. And it's almost like it is actively and consciously, just like in worship, choosing to give space to see another where they are as they are. It's actively and consciously, like as in worship, choosing to give space to see another, to behold God as he is and where he is. It's just noticing kind of let's i want to read something out of hebrews because this kind of nails it in hebrews 10 19 i didn't mark this out nine and ten okay 10 19 through 23 okay therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us approach boldly, right? Do you guys ever come into like worship or whether it's here at church or just a moment at home and you feel like you got to kind of fix yourself up before you can approach the Lord, approach the Holy of Holies, right? Anybody feel that? No? Okay. Let little shame maybe get in there and make you think that you're distant from God or that he, you need to clean up so he doesn't get distracted by dirt on you or whatever. I don't know. Sometimes there's, I think you guys are pretty good at knowing your identity, but it's just, I love that, that in here we're reminded that any kind of, or the ability to draw near to God, the ability to, to, to connect with his presence and who he is has nothing to do with our, with our ability, right? It is what Christ has already done for, for us. So therefore enter with boldness. And this boldness is, is just this confidence in knowing that my, my heart is, my desire to want to be with God is pure in itself. The sincerity of intent, the sincerity of desire. I want to be with God. That's pure in heart. It's really that simple. So that's just a little, little check to make sure you remember that it's through Christ and he, he longs to be near. Um, but let's take it a step for, further because it's not just about entering like his presence or drawing near to God. But why is being pure in heart required to be able to see God? Because I feel like that's like another level. That's like another level to see him, right? Because of course, we, I, was, I was reminded of when Moses asked to like see the glory of God, right? And, and God's like, can't do that. If you see my face, you'll burn up. So he's like, so I'm going to hide you. And then I'm just going to let my, you're going to kind of see my back, but it's not my glory. It's my goodness. You know, it's like this layered in, uh, encounter. It's like this layered encounter. It's so interesting. And, and so seeing God is, is quite another level of, of connection and communion, right? Um, So only with a pure heart can we begin to really see God for who he is just as he is. And it's almost like this protection that the Lord had put in place. In just our, in like our human psyche. Because it happens with with how we relate to each other, right? Like, um, do I want to jump into this yet? No, okay, yeah, no, I do, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Let me back up. So when we approach God with our own judgments or our own kind of like uh, limited understanding of who he is or preconceptions of God, right? Like, like we're trying to figure out God, right? We, we want to know him. We want to understand him, but sometimes our, our filters and our understanding of God can get in the way of us actually experiencing and being exposed to a greater level of understanding of him. Right. Cause like, for example, we'll take the goodness of God, like God being a good father, right? How many of you like, that took some, that took a journey to get to a place where you believed he was a good father, because maybe you had experiences that whether with your earthly father or with uh, authority or trust or whatever, that, that put a filter on your mind of like, I can't trust God to take care of me, or he doesn't really come through for me, or he's angry, even believing that God's an angry God. Sometimes those filters hinder how they're going to, they're going to 
tint how we perceive God. So any song that says that, that talks about his goodness, we might not be able to engage with because it's like, I don't really, I haven't seen that truth in my life. Right? So it's kind of like this synchronized system of like, but yet, even though my experience hasn't been God's been a good father, which is okay to admit to him, he can handle that truth of your experience. Just saying. So even though my experience hasn't been that God's been good necessarily, my sincere desire to want to know you as you are, God, I will lean into this and trust. And then what do you know? You start to see how he is good. Right? And you start to experience how he is good. And that reframing, despite your experience, despite your past, which are legitimate, but there's something that's higher, right? There's something that's greater that we can tune into and align with, right? And that pure heart is, is like secret sauce, you know? It's just like makes it more delicious. Yeah, because like that. She's more food analogies, huh? Don't tempt me, because I will. I am a restaurant kid. Um, <laughs> all right. But with that, let's. I, I want to kind of talk about um, only the pure in heart can can we only if we have a pure heart can we really begin to see God for who He is, just as He is. Right? We're taking the filters off because one of the things that's hard is is when we do have these these filters, we can misunderstand God. Right? We can misunderstand him. I mean, I, I'll, I've misunderstood God many times, right? Uh, um, and how many, but how many of you guys have ever felt misunderstood? Yeah, you guys are all like, it's part of the human experience. What's a good, there's like so many emo songs about being misunderstood. My mind, the records in my mind are, are, are going through. So misunderstood. That's not emo, but whatever. <laughs> I forget what song that is. Um, so being misunderstood is really painful, right? And But it's like part of the human experience. Now, if we get like caught in our misunderstanding or we let our misunderstanding define us, it, it gets, it gets weird. It gets weird. I'm going to share, I'm going to share something. This, this, how, how it has manifested in my life. Okay. I share a little, a little childhood, a little childhood journey. Okay. So you guys know our childhood is, is very formidable years, right? We all like a lot of our patterns of how we think and perceive things get formed in childhood. Right. And, um, and so even though we go through experiences in childhood, our experiences are filtered by who we are. Our, our, our perception, our wiring plays into how we, how we receive and experience things. So for example, my point is like, you can have the same parents, right? With your siblings, right? You have the same parents and you go through a similar experience but you can take their discipline one way while your sibling takes it a totally different way. You guys know what I'm saying? So I'm just making the point of like, we're all wired differently and experience life differently, right? So for me, um, I'm a middle child. How many of you guys are middle? Middle kids. What happens with the middle kid? What's your experience been like? Peacemaker? 
forgotten. Oh, come on. You're not making being a middle child sound too, too keen. What has it been like? Anyone else want to say? Your favorite? Ah! <laughs> Lisa, is that true? She's like shaking her head in your own mind, in your own perception. But yeah, so I was a middle kid, right? And I feel like kind of what was said is sometimes you can get a little bit overlooked. And I think maybe the age gap in between siblings affects how much you feel overlooked or whatever. Um, But I have an an older sister and a younger sister. We're two years apart both ways. Two years older, two years younger. I'm right in the middle. And we're all three girls. Woohoo. Three girls. Samantha, Serena, Sienna. I don't know what my mother was thinking. She just says girls because it's too too many S's. So uh, as a middle child, right, like my older sister and my younger sister tend to have a bit more energy or, you know, well, we all had energy, right? But for some reason, (laughs) there's this one moment, and I remember this distinctly. This came up for me in a therapy session, actually. I had a memory of when I was being, we were being picked up from school. I was in, we were in like grade school. I was young, probably like six or seven. And we had the whole thing where you like, you, uh, we rotated who sat in the front seat. I don't think six and seven year olds are allowed to sit in the front seat anymore, but back then I feel like we were (laughs) cause we like rotated. We had weeks, like who got to sit in the front and then each week we rotated and I was in the back. Uh, my older sister was in front and then my younger sister, we had a van too, Mazda MPV van. That's how I learned how to drive. My sister was like in the middle section. I was in the way back and my older sister's like chatting away with my mom, telling her about like how school was and da 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 da. And then my younger sister's like trying to pipe into, and I'm just sitting in there kind of zoning out, you know, like just kind of just sitting there. I don't even know what I was thinking. And then my mom catches me in the rear view mirror and she says, Oh, Serena, you're my quiet one. And I was like, okay, register. So from that moment on, what did I think? If I'm quiet and, and don't, and aren't loud and don't cause a ruckus and don't bother and leave my mother alone, that is how I will get love and affection. And my mom didn't intentionally do this. This is why parenting is the freakiest thing in the world, right? (laughs) There's love. Love is, love is everything. Okay. Love covers it all. You guys don't worry. I know Jumi and Olami. I'm like, you guys don't worry. You're going to be amazing. (laughs) It's going to be great. Um, but anyways, so I took this, this memory, right? This moment, my mom, like reaffirming me being quiet Re- and, sh- and then it kind of, it, it layered on because once I, that filter was in my mind, I kind of looked for it. So then I, I have memories and, and distinction of my mom praising me. Oh, you're the shy one. Oh, you're, you're my quiet one. Oh, you're the one I don't have to worry about. And I just leaned hard into that. And I just became, I didn't, if I had a problem, I didn't, didn't talk about it. If I needed something from my mother, I, I got it on my own. And I was this shy, wouldn't you know, I ended up being this really shy, super insecure girl because I felt like if I let any of the loudness out or what I thought was loud out, it would, my mom wouldn't like it. It would cause her to not like me, you know, and we all just want to be loved, right? Um, so I, that was buried deep inside of me and I was just, you know, can you guys imagine this? Me being a quiet, insecure, like, <laughs> isn't that hilarious? Isn't okay. I'm getting to the testimony part. Okay. So I was as quiet as you Dan, do you remember, right? 
yeah, he remembers. He's known me for a long time. He's seen my awkward uh, middle-aged, like, goth face, you know? Which I still love, by the way. That doesn't leave me. But um, shy, insecure girl, right? Just didn't think, like, my value was in how quiet and disappeared I could be. And um, then I started going to youth group. I started to encounter the Lord. I started to be around people who saw me for who I really am and call out my true identity. And then I just got rocked by the love of God in, in a, at a youth retreat in, in how God met me in worship and overwhelmed me with how he wanted me, that I was enough for him to want to die. Me, no, just, just as I am. I was rocked by his pure, and heart, pure heart approach towards me. And that just shook all of that quiet, insecure filter that I thought I had to be. And wouldn't you know, I started stepping out more. I started to realize, wait, maybe, maybe my passion that comes out loud, my creativity, my charisma, my excitement, these were all buried and and what I've learned is like, boy, this is part of who I am and how God made me. And it's a gift too, right? And, and that's just what the love of God does. The encounter of his heart had, had done in my life. It made me feel like I could step into my skin. Yeah, I'm doing good. I know. It's just, I feel his, I, I just, I just love his presence. And when I, when I sense him, I just cry. But it's a good cry. The girls, my girls always ask, are you okay, mommy? Well, I'm really good. I'm really good, actually. <laughs> I want to read something from um, this beautiful book, The Practice of the Presence of God. It is like the manual for living, you guys. Yeah, you know this book, right? Oh, yes, you did. Okay. See, we're vibing, you guys. We're vibing on the same page. Just a little thing here, okay? This is just the constant awareness of God's presence. It's just a beautiful book. Um, so this is from Brother Lawrence, just one of his quick musings here. All kinds of spiritual disciplines, if they are void of the love of God, cannot remove a single sin from our lives. We should, without anxiety, accept that all our sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And from this perspective, we are free to seek only to love him with all of our hearts. We can take comfort in the fact that God seems to grant the greatest grace to the greatest sinners as signs of his great mercy. Oh, I love that. It's so profound the reality that God really does understand us and that he wants us. Another thing, Lynn, that you, you mentioned was that song, as I was, I was going over my notes, I couldn't get it out of my head, was that song by Stephanie Gretzinger that no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Because in a world where we all have experiences with being misunderstood, one of the sweetest things is that God understands, though, Right? He doesn't misunderstand us. And there's nothing that, even in our misconception of who he is, he still chooses to understand us and give us the benefit of the doubt. Extend mercy. He is mercy. 
That's who our God is. And to be, to be, to know that, that I'm known that well by someone, never mind, because even my, even our spouses or, or our best friends or the people that we think know us most, there's going to be moments of misunderstanding, moments of, of just feeling disconnected or, or, or just off or something. But with the Lord, that's never the case. You know, he's, he made a way so that there's that always that connection and there's always that understanding and always him giving us the benefit of the doubt. He's the safest. He is the safest place. He's the safest place to let your heart be. And that's another layer of being pure in heart is just letting your heart be in his presence. Hmm. Uh, this got me wondering, though. I wonder if God ever felt the pain of when people misunderstood him. Of course, right? And it made me think of when Jesus was on the cross and in the, the crux of his pain and his agony of, 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 of being crucified and betrayed and mocked and, 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 and embarrassed and put to shame and just complete uh, uh, lies and rumors about who he was. Like, that's so frustrating to me. Like, when, when man, I tell you, rumors and gossip, oh, Lord, Lord, help us. <laughs> ah, rumors and gossip, my God, talk about a cesspool. Ugh, when we do the opposite of mercy, when we do the opposite and we judge and we and we criticize and we even can get caught up. Maybe we're not the ones spreading rumors, but we entertain rumors because you know what happens when that happens? It's really scary. You start hearing things that never were said about these people and you start creating a narrative of against this person. And you're just like, man, they are, they were a little bit selfish there. Oh my gosh, they're such a jerk. And they don't, they don't really love me. They really didn't, they didn't, they didn't care. They didn't do this for me. Of course they don't love me. And then you start looking for evidence against that person to, to, to justify your, your, your broken perception of them. Dude, like gossip and rumors and like that stuff, just kick that in the ground, dude. To just be like, and just extend mercy. Believe the best in them. Despite them spreading like rumors or slandering your name, dude, slander. Ooh, taking the Lord's name in vain, right? It's a commandment because it's so important. The Lord's taking the Lord's name in vain, of course, isn't swearing, right? We know this. Any of my swearers out there? Hey, just kidding. Okay. That was a little bit edgy. That was edgy. Okay. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but I'm not. Anyways, taking the Lord's name in vain. Everyone's like, so many of you guys raised your hand and you're like, wait, I can't do that in church. Ah, I got you. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. I see you. I am with you though. Um, anyways, taking the Lord's name in vain is not swearing, right? It is, it is slander towards who the character, the character of God, who he really is. This is misrepresenting who he really is. That's why it's so, so hard sometimes when, I mean, Christianity is, is big and widespread, right? And there's lots of people trying to figure it out in their own process. And sometimes we get it wrong, right? Sometimes we, we have to make mistakes or burn our hands on the stove when someone tells us it's hot and then we kind of can backtrack or whatever. But the Lord is apparently fine with it because he's God and he's sovereign and he like is with us in our journey, right? But it's just, it's hard when you like know a truth about God 
and you're like pretty convicted of it, like God's good. But then there are some that say he's not good and he's angry still. Like that's like, ooh, that, like, how do you do that, God? But it's okay. He's got it. He's handles it and he sees them and he extends mercy to them and still believes the best in them despite them slandering his name, despite their, or are, because hey, there's levels of that we misunderstand God all the time. Despite our misconceptions of God, he still believes the best in us. And it's just powerful. So anyways, Jesus, again, on the cross, just in that moment, being completely humiliated. I I did a good job to swing it back to what I wanted to say. Just saying, I am growing as a speaker. I just needed to bring attention to that because I was feeling insecure for a second. Okay. Thank you. Um, Bringing it back. Yes. Pure in heart, fully vulnerable here, guys. There are no secrets. You want to know my motives? Just ask. Um, Anyways. Uh, so Jesus on the cross, you know, in that moment of, of like his intense pain and his, his pe- intense betrayal, he, what does he pray? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He saw his mockers through grace, through love. And on behalf of them, asked the father to still extend grace and mercy to them. What God is this? What man was Jesus? He kept his gaze on the Father so that whatever cares of this world, because let me tell you guys, life happens. It, it, there's hard stuff, real stuff that hurt and, and beat us up and, take, and can take us out sometimes for, for a season or whatever. But the Lord, he... If we keep our eyes on, on Jesus, he gives us the grace to be able to just to stay connected to love, to stay connected to him, to know we're not alone. Um, where are we at? Okay, I got a few more minutes. I'm just going to read from Matthew 16 a little bit further because this was a cool thing I was reading. Because uh, Jesus, kind of backtracking a bit, with his disciples, right? Like Jesus had a lot of people follow him, right? And, and he spoke to multitudes and all of that, but he chose, he had 12 that were his closest, right? His disciples. And I love this vulnerable moment where Jesus, after speaking to a multitude, let's see, Matthew 16, I don't want to misquote it. Matthew 16, 13, where he, after speaking to a multitude, gathers his disciples And he says, when Jesus, okay, who do men say that I am? The son of man, am I? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Does this prophecy that the Lord, that Jesus gives to Peter remind you of anything? This blessing, hint, hint, 
it totally reminded me of the Beatitudes, right? A lot of the Beatitudes are these promises of, of heaven, of, 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 of righteousness, of, of goodness, of mercy, of, of authority and, and perspective of, of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. And on this rock, like that's where Jesus is going to build his church, right? But I love that vulnerable moment where Jesus is like, okay, who are people saying that I am? But what I really care about is who do you say that I am? But who do my best friends say that I am? Because that, that hits a little bit deeper, right? And when Peter got it, I think Jesus's heart was just like, yes, let's do this. Like we can do this. This is, this is a rock. This is solid. This is something I can build something that will last generations. Yeah. When we see him as he is, it's powerful. You guys, it, it, it is substance. It's not just butterflies and, and rainbows in your heart, even though I I like that. It's not just comfort and and medicine to your soul. It's substance to walk out and be who you are meant to be, who you've been all this time. And the Lord just reminds you because you can see it in him. That is how it's exchanged. The pure in heart see God and you can see God by being pure in heart. And it's like this ping pong effect back and forth. God, I want you. I desire you. Oh my goodness. This is who you are. Oh, I need to see you more Lord because I just can't get enough. And then it's like this creating life, that aspect of being pure in heart and how it it prunes and it makes you ready to bear good fruit. Right. It's like next level. Um, all right, we're going to land this this plane, right? Oh, I want to just mention, have you guys ever heard of intimacy being said into me? You see, right? Yes. That is exactly what being pure in heart is. It is into God we see and he into us, we let him see. It's a two-way street. Your heart Oh, okay. I looked this up. Let me, let me read this about the anatomy of the heart. Cause this was super interesting. This is a basic description. The heart continuously pumps about eight pints of blood around your body through the network of blood vessels called your circulatory system, right? The blood delivers oxygen and nutrients to all parts of your body to help your organs and muscles work properly. Your blood also carries away unwanted carbon dioxide and waste products. So your heart literally converts waste into life. And your heart existence is based off of the connection to the rest of your body. Being pure in heart in its essence is connection. It is this both ways flow, both ways flow in order to be pure in heart. It requires another person. And Jesus is a great safe place to, to be connected to. But if we want to be, I want to challenge us to be pure in heart towards one another. Can we be pure in heart towards our spouses? Can we be pure in heart towards our kids, towards our parents? Yes, Lord. You know, just towards our, our leaders, people that we just, we really love and admire and want and, 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 and lean on and, and trust. Can we be pure in heart in our connection towards them and allow them to see who we really are? the strength of true vulnerability, and also tap into seeing them for who they really are. 
and letting that reality dictate how we treat them and how we interact with them and how we talk about them. Because that's life. Oh, that's such life. Hmm. I only want someone to fully see me that is pure in heart, that will not judge my scars or shortcomings or brokenness or see me as my brokenness. The pure in heart is a posture required to fully see someone as they are, right? So how do you become pure in heart? Just behold God. He'll cause your heart to crave him. Worship and adore who he is and trust in his goodness. That's why I love songs that reflect who he is to remind myself, this is who you are, God. This is who you are. And how we can see God is just in that posture of a pure heart and sincere desire to know him. Openness and sincerity to just let him reveal himself as he is. I'm going to pray for us. God, I just thank you so much that you thought. I just am so thankful for how you created us to be beings with hearts to be beings that require connection to their creator. (laughs) The dependency, the interconnection to you, God, I pray that you would just help us be more aware of that and to tap into that more regularly, God. The ease of just noticing you in big moments and small, in the ordinary and the extraordinary, God. May we notice how present you are with sincere hearts so that we can see you all the time, everywhere, and just how present you are all the time and everywhere, God. I thank you for the pure in heart that are here. Each one of us you call pure in heart because we desire you, Lord. I just bless each one here. And I just pray they have wicked, awesome weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.